Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. everyone, welcome back once more to Exploring Heart Leadership. This week we're, we're looking at discovering community beyond our workplace. When we connect deeply with a person, or two or three on a personal level, our lives can be changed forever. When I first experienced deep connectedness, It made me keenly aware of how superficial and empty most of my relationships were. I no longer wanted to live in a superficial world. I wanted deep, intimate relationships, which differed from my old ways. When we, individually and collectively, commit to creating meaningful relationships and to the learning that those relationships require, we commit to discovery of of ourselves, our deeper selves, when we bring ourselves to it, our deeper insights, our thoughts, views, comes deep into our heart. As I changed the way I was in relationships, something really fantastic happened. The connection I created wasn't just a connection to another person. I connected with that spiritual part each of us has that is part of something bigger, something larger, something bigger than ourselves. From that place, we collectively come to know that every time we act, others are affected. We discover we're not islands, but part of a system. When we act, the system changes. By changing how we are, how we are willing to be in relationships, we make space for dynamic change to happen. When we begin to discover exactly what it means to be in community with others, it changes our thinking. When we share a commitment to community, We want to share decision-making because we know each of us will be affected. Every time we have the courage to say what we feel and discover, discover that everyone feels the same but is afraid to say it. We enable actions to be taken out of values 
as well as intellect. Every time we have the courage to say what we feel individually, we serve the values of our community. We are able to create what we want a relationship to be. It takes time, but time working in a relationship is meaningful. It's valued time. When we work in community, we don't just spend time, we invest it. We support each other. We trust. We have faith. The sense of community grows. People are energised and committed to what they're consciously creating. Work becomes a joyful part of life. Not something we do while we wait to live. Work is an indispensable component of life. Our sense of community grows. It grows beyond a one-on-one relationship and beyond work. It grows to our churches, clubs, towns and states. It grows to the nation and to the world. The spirit of each us helps us to see the world as we'd like it to be. And we know that each each one of us makes a difference. We share a vision of what might be. We know it takes time. And we commit that time. Each of us becomes a custodian for the care and maintenance of our community at whatever level we're at. And that's where I believe and talk about again this leadership without title. Each and every one Each and every one of us can make a difference. We experience a sense of connections with generations past and in the future, but our belief and commitment to community. We are able to make a difference for generations to come. It's about keeping our house clean. When we choose to live and work in community, We also choose to live and work consciously, intentionally and accountably in the present. Each of us assumes responsibility for creating that inner space, that heart space within ourselves and around us, which is clean of old relationship clutter. We're not doing spring spring cleaning, house cleaning once a year and letting things pile up again the minute we finish. Keeping our personal house cleans in the present about what we think, feel or want right now. Our roles as leaders are both to create an environment in which good emotional housekeeping practices are the norm and to model that behaviours is what we all do. If we feel safe at keeping our our relationships clean, others feel safe to do the same. If we live with all that old emotional junk, we find others doing the same. Has cleaning means staying current with problem solving? There's a chairman I once worked with and his committee work, his, uh, his watchword was 
No glory grabbing and no blame casting. Very impressive. And I've incorporated this into conflict resolutions that I'm, or I have been worked with. It's certainly a good ground rule for keeping my house clean. If we don't look for someone to blame and we're not making someone else look look inept by grabbing glory for what they've done, then those around us don't have to be defensive about what they do. Blame casting, glory grabbing and defensiveness, they're not spirit base. They're not respectful, trusting or accepting. They're not based upon faith. They don't encourage risk-taking and don't build safety for growth. When we live and stay in our spirits, we create a safe environment for productive problem-solving. We allow ourselves and others to let go of resentment, guilt, shame, worry, confusion and cynicism. When we don't deal with problems as they arise, then resentment, guilt, shame, worry, hope, confusion and cynicism are built all around us. That's the stuff that we need to worry about. Falling us, falling on top of us, let's this rain shower, it's <laughs> flooding us from not looking before we realise that we're up to our waist in all this muddy waters. And there was this chap, Barry Keeson, founder and former CEO of the largest publisher of a, an educational computer materials organisation in the US. He says that when he owned the publishing company, it had two purposes, to create happiness and work and to create community. People in the company were valued for their unique contributions. The organisation lived by two precepts about speech to help accomplish his purposes. Number one, don't speak of the misdeeds of others. Take your concerns directly to the person involved. Two, don't praise yourself or put down others. Keeson had an active Zen practice for some 20 years, said these simple rules helped a small company grow to biggest and best in the industry before he sold it. Competitors just fell by the wayside. Unhealthy conflict clutters our house. Confronting problems when they happen, many conflicts are prevented. We don't have to jockey for position or try to look good. We don't harbour resentments, driving us to get even. We don't have to get locked into one outcome, the one that we can control. We can be open, flexible, we're able to see, respect and explore other possibilities. Conflicts occur in any environment. In fact, conflict should be no important part of a healthy decision-making process. 
Without it, groupthink will seize our thinking processes. When our houses are clean of negativity, we can use differences to help us find, discover new perspectives. We can focus on, on current differences of opinion. I frequently encountered co-workers, colleagues, who carry around a Pandora's box of old arguments with each other. They only, they only know that they're angry, but don't really know why they're angry at that moment. The history of their relationships is such a way that very little cooperation is given and a high degree of competitiveness is there. Every encounter quickly becomes a win-lose situation and each party's really determined to win this round. People have become incapable of collaborative decision-making. That type of decision-making that benefits both parties and their organisations. This association is not a breeding ground for a workplace community. Exactly, it's a war zone. Timely, caring and complete conflict resolutions are critical to building communities in our organisations and within our wider communities. Before I've been involved in, in this form of resolution, I've discovered there's there's probably about three different ways that organisations approach this. The first is what I would call knock the head together approach. This approach to conflict resolution involves a boss who calls both parties into the office and tells them they have to get along or else is usually added but rarely defined. The boss is under the illusion that by sheer will and fear, the conflict will vanish. It doesn't. goes underground for a while and turn another stimulus brings it back to the surface. Sometimes conflict turns into a guerrilla war in which the parties quietly undermine each other and throw jabs back and forth. Parties to a guerrilla war are quick to play the blame-casting, glory-grabbing game. The only teamwork possible is among the groups of co-workers, colleagues, who gather forces behind their respective favourites in this internal war. The focus of the teamwork becomes a war, not the enterprise. This approach isn't respecting our human spirit. It isn't caring, trusting, open or accepting. It's driven by non-spiritual qualities. Fear, defensiveness, blaming, guilt, shame, resentment, resignation and even cynicism. The second approach I've encountered is the separate quarters conflict resolution the boss who chooses this approach recognises that issues must be resolved for conflict to be really resolved. He or she is more insightful, although not truly enlightened. 
the boss meets separately with each party and tries to uncover the issues, trying to play the combined role of the, the perfect communicator and the judge with the wisdom of Solomon. The boss explains to each party the other's issue and gives a proposed solution to the problem. Communications isn't simple. Anyone who's ever played the party game Gossip, sometimes called Telephone, knows that the story changes with each telling. To complicate the separate quarters resolution, the adversaries aren't even in the same room and can't take I can't clarify details. It's the old, the classic when, where, why and how, with and whom. It normally takes quite a number of exchanges between all the parties to get agreement of the issues, even when they're face to face. The longer the conflict has been brewing, the longer it takes to get agreement. Anything less than face to face discussion simply banges the symptoms, doesn't discover, doesn't resolve the source, the root of the problem. The surface wound may mend itself, but the infection is boiling away under the surface. It rages on, often undetected for days or weeks. In the separate quarters approach, our boss is more insightful but the strategy is still driven by fear. Fear that the conflict will escalate. Fear that the boss will lose control. Fear of the emotion that may surface. Fear the boss won't get it perfectly. Negative judgments, self-judgments involved. There's still a lack of respect, trust, openness, acceptance and connection by the boss with the parties to the conflict. No safety and growth for the manager or the parties. There's no positive belief in humanity. The third approach is the ostrich approach. As per the name, involves a boss, believes that if the conflict is ignored, it'll simply go away. Outcome of this approach resembles the guerrilla warfare approach. Without attention, the conflict continues and often escalates. Everybody except the boss knows it's going on. Often the boss knows, but prefers to feign ignorance. An incredible amount of time, money and energy are wasted to keep the con conflict from raging or erupting into full war. Sometimes whole systems and processes are built around the conflict. I've even seen convoluted reporting systems develop simply because one owner put it, some people just don't report to certain other people. The structure makes absolutely no sense. Leads to decision-making with limited information. Again, this approach doesn't respect or believe in people involved. I used to work offshore and it was the same thing there. Depending on who the manager was, they changed out on a weekly basis. And they would wait till the other manager came and see if it got the ear of that. But it never resolved anything. It wasn't humanity. It wasn't respectful. So next week, I'd like to go even further and deeper and offer you how we build supportive relationships to really good and empowering 
conflict resolution. Till then, bye now. <laughs>